It's the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast with your hosts, Stan Dryav and Nick Bracha. Welcome to the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast. This is your host, Stan Dryav, and my co-host, the Aljamain Sterling acting skills to my bantamweight title reign, Nick motherfucking Braccia. Nick, it's usually an Oscar, maybe an Emmy that you get for some quality acting. It has never really happened before that you get a UFC world title with some, with some acting skills. And they're not particularly good acting skills, but they were effective enough for the moment, Nick. And, and here we are going into his first title defense. You can be hard on Aljo Sterling, but the fact is, look at all of the times that he's defended his title since he won it. Talk <laughs> about, a fight, about a fighting champion. They were like, we need a headliner at the apex. <laughs> there goes Aljo being like, where the bantamweights at? I'll take on all comers. So like, I think he was in the front row. You're right. The, the last time. If any he hadn't fought five or six guys, if he hadn't cleaned out the division since he defeated Petrion, then I think you'd have a point. But <laughs> Nick, I, I feel like this is a good time for you to take a look at Aljamain Sterling's topology page. Maybe sure dog. Oh. Oh, yeah. He hasn't. He hasn't. He has not been very busy. No, but he look. Is he an elite bantamweight? Yeah, he's he's top five, top six quality in that division. Really, is a very skilled guy. But can he beat Piotr Yan? I think you know. There's an argument to be made that having the benefit of having felt Piotr Yan before, to be quite honest with you, outside of that knockdown in the first round, Aljamain Sterling won the first two rounds. Right? Is it possible that he wins? Absolutely, it's possible. Just because the fight was starting to get away from him doesn't absolutely mean that he can't win this fight. But, man, I'm, I'm intrigued. Despite the just extreme lopsided odds on the top three matchups in this event, I'm intrigued by all three of them for different reasons. Volkanovski, you and I were just talking off the air about how he could just be the best pound for pound fucking fighter in the world, man. Kumar Usman has not accomplished what this man has. But you are um, you're going against a, a zombie who... You know, I'm I'm curious. Zombie is a finisher. What he's always lacked is um, a real strategic sense and discipline. He's a little too freewheeling in there, and he gets himself in trouble, and he counts on his durability, which probably isn't the same as it used to be. Or maybe it's, it is. He's just not fighting Leonard Garcia anymore. He's fighting, like, you know, these absolute top-ranked killers. But if he's indeed been working with Cejudo and Cejudo's camp, People get better when they train there. They get no, they get noticeably better. Um, so I, we may be seeing a new, uh, you know, we may be seeing a new zombie, and he's he's always dangerous. But if he can put it together, perhaps he has more than a puncher's chance. Yeah, I mean, I do think the guy's got a chance. It's just tough to say that he's got a chance against Volkanovski, who is. I mean, he's got the one loss, and that was at welterweight to a much bigger man many, many years ago. He is undefeated in the UFC. And and look, does Chan Sung Jung is a legitimate is a featherweight featherweight fighter, right? Dude's dude's legitimately skilled. He hits hard. He's got a really good ground game, got a good pressure game. 
Um, his defense going forward is not awesome, right? And Volkanovski, he's not a finisher. So it's not like he can tag him necessarily the way that Ortega did and hurt him badly enough to take him completely out of his game. So this could very well be a competitive matchup. It's not like Volkanovski's out there finishing fools, but he is beating absolutely everybody. Uh, well, he did finish He did finish Chad Mendes, who's, who's yeah. a tough guy. Yeah, and he, and, and he just like always, he applied the right game plan um, and and did his thing, man. The, uh, I think I think Volkanovski is incredible. I think Piotr Jan is incredible. Piotr Jan didn't have the chance to compete against top pound for pounders yet, right? But he has uh, shown that against other elite bantamweights, he is fucking incredible. He's an amazing fighter in so many ways. Very excited for both of those matchups, right? Again, um, both guys I favor Piotr Jan to win. I favor Volkanovski to win. Spoiler alert. Um, and 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 with somewhat somewhat even confidence to be honest with you, but. Um, intrigued to see both those guys compete and excited about Kamzat Shemaev on this card too. Uh, for those of you that don't realize... Kamzat Shemaev. That's right. We're going to break down UFC 273, Volkanovski versus the Korean Zombie. Uh, a bunch of really good fights, especially on this main card, Nick. And we're going to break down the entire thing for you all. Yeah, the Kamzat Shemaev-Gilbert Burns matchup is fascinating. Burns, who's truly proven, who has only lost to one man at welterweight, right? He's looked really, really fucking good. When he wins, it's dominantly, Nick. And when he loses... At welterweight to Kamar Usman to the uh, what some say is the best pound for pound fighter, even though I disagree, he lost. Yeah, hell of a first yeah round. man, he fucking almost finished that motherfucker. That dude is untouchable in his UFC career, and he almost got finished. Gilbert Burns went the closest to actually beating, truly beating uh, him than anyone else ever has. Colby, you know, had a competitive first fight with him, but yeah, like Gilbert I mean, Burns is no fucking joke. Outside of Usman at welterweight, he's he's coming off finishing Maya. That's know, right. T Wood. Yeah. Say what you will about beating T Wood. And then beating Stephen Thompson, like absolutely, and and the yeah, way that he 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 beat Stephen Thompson decisively, right? He beat Maya extremely decisively after getting put on his back a couple of times and using his Brazilian jiu-jitsu to hop right back to his feet. This is fucking Damian Maya. Nobody does that with him. And he can also grapple. He, absolutely, he, he's he, a, he was a guy a with a win, a win over Gunnar Nelson, a grappling win, oh, grappling wins over oh, well, Sakuraba, but also Jake Shields. Absolutely, and Kamzat is. Let's face it, he's not proven. His reputation is killer. But we haven't seen him get hit more than one time in his entire UFC career, right? So can he really handle it in front of a huge crowd when he gets tagged, when he's facing a guy who's about as fast as he is, when he's facing a guy who's got the kind of ground game that might make you think twice about trying to take him down? I am intrigued by this matchup as well, man. I'm super, super Also, excited. you can't, you know, you're not going to... Does he does he tempt fate with overconfidence and start talking to the crowd and talking to Dana White, you know, trying to trying to clown Gilbert? Because that that might not work out for him. Yeah, I mean, look, I can see him attempting it, but man, will he look bad. Will this be one of those kind of videos that pops up on your feed with guy talking trash and then getting his ass whooped if he ends up gassing out and, and losing that fight? We have seen Kamzat Chemaev wrestle against Jack Hermanson um, in Sweden within the last several months. And to be honest with you, as, as good as he looked early, he was slower. He was more more uh, kind of just drained, I guess, for lack of a better term, in the latter parts of that matchup, right? So I'm... Curious what a hard 15 minutes will look like for Kamzat Chimaev. I'm hoping Gilbert Burns can give us that because a lot of answers can be questioned about both guys, man. Gilbert Burns was a underdog in his last matchup against uh, Wonderboy Thompson, and he came out there and decisively beat the man. So the, not, neither of these guys are, are, are to be laughed off, but man, the, like the odds are kind of disrespectful, in my opinion, to Gilbert Burns. Uh, Nick, should we dive into this? The last event, by the way, quickly. Episode 133, when we broke down Blades versus Dawkins, I walked away with four points. You walked away with three, uh, which mm. which leads, leaves me with a four-point lead, 37 of my points to 33 of yours, Nick. We're still staying pretty competitive, pretty back and forth. I believe you have the first pick on also, this Also, well, there's one more thing to say about that last show. Yes. Two million listens to all of our all of our 
our now millions and millions of listeners, we want to thank you for tuning in and for the support. We try to keep the show ad-free, uh, and we're grateful that there's so many of you out there. Two million? God damn, Nick. We're doing better than I realized. Hell, yeah. motherfucking I mean, yes. all right, all right, all right. I'm not being completely honest. It was it was 1.95 million. I was just round. I was rounding up. But you know, when Nick, um, like accurate information is part of the reason that people tune into the show. Millions of people, Nick. And here you are giving giving out this information. Uh, Nikolai, you have the first pick this week. Just everybody remember, we just take turns picking fighters uh, competing on the upcoming UFC fight. We tally up the points at the end of Saturday night. You have one point for a winning fighter. You get two points for successfully choosing a fighter that is a plus 150 underdog or above. Three points for a successful underdog pick of plus 250 or above. Nikolai, shoot. Uh, probably no surprise here. I'm going to go with the bantamweight fight. Um, we've we've seen it before. We, we've already seen it, and since we saw it, uh, Peter Yan or Peter Yan had a uh, remarkable defense against a very hard and versatile contender in in Corey Sandhagen. So he's been you know he's been active. He had that big fight in the last year. It's been 13 months since Aljo got in there. He's had neck surgery, I believe, and possibly other surgeries since then. We have not seen him. He has not been in the cage in a professional fight. Um, and he's walking in having not defended a title that he won, some would say, speciously. I think that the first couple rounds could be exciting. I don't think that Aljamain Sterling has the tools to finish Pitcher Jan. I just, I don't, unless Jan makes some sort of incredible mistake you know like kneeing a guy when he's down right <laughs> but if, if, um, <laughs> unless he makes some you know and gets and ends up in a choke i just i don't i don't see it i have trouble seeing over five rounds aljo's path to victory based on the information that we have so i'm going to go with, with petrion for um i don't think it'll be a split decision i think if he, even if he loses the first two he'll handily win the last three um I, I and I and I think that's the best that Aljo's going to do. Like that's the best case for him. Um, I could see, uh, I could see like Jan just with anger and fanat and wanting to really bring this home. Um, just put you know pushing for a finish uh, when he smells blood. So that's my pick. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: is outside of that fight, we've seen that Sterling actually has really solid conditioning. Right, he's gone. Three rounds in the past. I'm, I'm not, I'm not absolutely sure whether he's gone five rounds yet. And maybe that that's a point against him. It's the it's the pressure in yeah, Jan's no, remarkable no cardio. It's a, I'm not question. I'm not questioning Aljo's gas tank. It's just who who can hang who can hang for five rounds with this man. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you. I'm I'm just kind of bringing yeah. in some elements to the conversation, right? In that in that Sterling, like he hasn't looked tired before. He's had a pretty high output before, but it did seem like just. Uh, particularly in that fight, but overall he uses a lot of energy for things that require a fraction of the energy that he's using, right? Like the way that he even moves his head out of the way of punches. He, he moves his head like, like a foot off to the side, right? He, he like steps out really far. Like he invests a lot of energy into something that could have just taken a very slight slip, right? You just need your opponent to miss by, by centimeters, by maybe an inch so that you can counter him. And, and he's usually just have, has all these exaggerated movements when he's going for takedowns, when he's just using his footwork. Um, and he stays he, pretty busy from the outside. So this is similar. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. He also doesn't have a five. He also has never gone five rounds. No, that, and that is fair. Prior to this fight, and I think it was the fourth round. I think it was the fourth round. It was the knee, the knee hit in the fourth round, yeah. but he's never 
He's never. That was the only fight that's gone. He didn't have. He's not one of these guys who. How's it you know, feel those on his day? Right. He has. He has a. You know, he had Munoz Rivera. Like these are fights where you look at them and you're like, oh, that sounds like it could have been a main event, and then you go back and you find out that it was the co-main or it was lower than that, and it was a three-round fight. Well, he was scheduled some, for know. a main event against Sanhagen, so we know he's had the training camp, right? But he didn't need to because he just literally disposed of Corey Sanhagen, who's a fucking really good fighter, that, who that arguably was, beat. He, uh-huh. That that was not a. That's not true. That was not scheduled for a five-round fight. It was the main event. No, that was on the Nunez Spencer card. I apologize. I am. I am simply mistaken. I I could have sworn it was the main event, but you're right. It, it definitely wasn't. But I mean, that would be a matchup in which you're right. He hasn't really even had a five round training camp leading up to this matchup, and maybe that is something that is to his advantage. Right? He's getting a second shot here against pound for pounder, arguably Piotr Jan, like top probably five or six in the pound for pound rankings. But we've seen Piotr Jan lose rounds, particularly the first round. He tends to lose. The second round tends to be pretty competitive. Easy argument to be made that he was losing the first and second rounds to Aljamain Sterling, if not for that knockdown late in the first round. Easily, the argument could be made that he was losing the first two rounds against Corey Sanhagen before taking over late, right? So he does have a certain style of fighting. It's not unlike Canelo Alvarez, right? He's a guy that likes to pressure, but you can pressure him early. And if you're pressuring him, you can land on him. The thing is that he is so durable, and he's not going to let you land anything major. And the stuff that you do land is probably going to cost you plenty of energy and not do much damage to him, right? And then eventually, the occasional power counters that he throws, they wear on you. His pressure starts to actually turn on, right? He doesn't turn it on right away. That's the thing. Uh He's got a, like Volkanovsky, he has a great internal, like, fight computer. Mm -hmm. And he knows. If he, when he needs to turn it on and be more active and land more, he does. Yeah. Like... Yeah, and, 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 and know, he's consistent like, with that. You're right. It's every, like, starting from the middle of the second into the third round where he starts to really get going, really start to kind of just fall away with the fight, right? It starts always being so competitive. And there are matchups against guys, and you and I have discussed this a couple of times. Um, he's had a matchup against, sorry, I'm just going to look at his record here, Jimmy Rivera, in which he lost almost every moment of that fight besides the two or three knockdowns that he scored. Right, so if it yeah. wasn't for those knockdowns, if it wasn't for those individual moments, he wouldn't have won that fight. Like to me, that seemed pretty clear watching it live. And again, lost the first two rounds to Corey Sanhagen, lost the first two rounds to Aljamain Sterling, arguably. Right, so the guy can be beaten. Jose Aldo was doing well against him early. If you don't factor in the knockdowns, but you gotta factor in the knockdowns, right? Like the motherfucker hurts just about everybody he fights. Sooner or later, he's going to land a bomb, whether he's on the front foot or the back foot, and it's going to have an effect on you. He likes to keep that high guard early, but man, eventually he's just pressing forward with offense. He's just tagging you and bothering you and and kicking you and taking you down, if only to tire you as you make your way back up to your feet, but he never gets tired. So yeah, listen, I'm picking Piotr Jan here. I I have some confidence in this, but does Aljamain Sterling have the uh, skill to win this? Yes. It's kind of like the Stipe-Cormier matchup. And uh, I posted a video on our, the MMA Geek C-Level Podcast YouTube page if anybody wants to check it out. I hope it's still up because it did use some UFC footage. And I talked about how the reason I'm picking Stipe Miocic to win this third fight is because the only way that Cormier can beat Stipe is if he has the kind of output that he can't keep up for five rounds, which means that Cormier, right, if he puts enough output out there and he finishes Stipe, then great. If he can't finish him, which is not likely, then the fight's going to go late, and he can't keep up that pacing. Not as a heavyweight, not as a heavyweight in his 40s, and that's exactly how it worked out, right? Uh, That time, Cormier was much more careful, but he couldn't win the fight because he was so careful, because he was so careful not to overextend his energy. Aljamain, though, as a bantamweight, he could, man. It's possible for him to bring his cardio to a level where he can actually 
compete with Pierre Yam for the first three rounds and survive those last two rounds. It's possible that he wins. For that reason, this would have been uh, maybe my second pick. Not quite my first, but I do agree with you, man. I'm a big fan of Pierre Yam. I think he's something special. And one thing that I said earlier was that Pierre Yam probably has, doesn't have the kind of wins that Volkanovski does. He does. He beat Jose Aldo. If he, come, he fucking beat him over five rounds and he finished him. Volkanovski couldn't really do a whole lot of damage. He kept them from doing any damage to him. He, he kept them at a distance. He kept them, uh, Jose Aldo in first gear, right? But Pierre Yam finished the guy. Granted, in a five-round fight. So he's got the one big win on his They're record. both amazing fighters. Peter Yan is a killer, too. Yeah, no doubt. I that's know. the thing. Peter Yan has no fucking mercy. I think that's his nickname, am I right? Like, that is spot fucking on. Once you are weakened or tired, man, he pours it on. He has zero mercy. He is he is not thinking about your family watching in the, in the audience. He's not thinking about your CTE that you might be experiencing in the future. He is trying to fucking get you out of there. The man is no joke. His eyes rolled in the back of his head. That's black that's basically, eyes, yeah. like a doll's eyes. <laughs> that's, that's basically what he's looking for, right? He's got a couple of those legend wins. Um, he was on his way to beating Aljamain Sterling, got the win over Rivera, over Dotson, over Douglas Silva, Don Drosh, who we're seeing is like a pretty good fighter, not an elite fighter, right? Corey Sanhagen, he just ran away with toward the end. Corey took the fight on short notice. Again, I see the avenues for Aljamain Sterling to win. I don't think that he is necessarily mentally durable enough to do it. I don't think he has the five-round experience to do it. But does a guy with his attributes, can he beat uh, Purian? Yes. It would have to be a pretty close to perfect performance. But a win for Aljamain Sterling is certainly not out of the question here. Uh, my first pick, Nikolai, is going to be in the main event, Alexander Volkanovsky versus Chan Sung Jung. I'm more confident in this one than I am in Piotr Yan, again, because Volkanovsky is, he's brilliant. He's a virtuoso, in my opinion. He is unlike anybody else in that the way that he wins these fights, the way that he changes his tactics depending on opponent, and he does so brilliantly and effectively. He execute, executes every goddamn time. Doesn't take a lot of damage. Doesn't take a lot of punishment, right? He's keeping high-level fighters in first gear. And the most competitive hit fight that he has had was that second fight against Max Holloway in which he adjusted and started to pull away and take over in the second half of the fight, right? So even if he did score for Max, that's fine with me. I scored the last three rounds for Volkanovski and, and that third round is debatable. But the bottom line is that he out-adjusted Max Holloway. That is incredibly impressive. Brian Ortega, right? Like on, on the feet, not a whole lot of a challenge. Um, but he's a taller man. He's a dangerous man with his knees, with his elbows, with his right hand, which he, you know, arguably dropped Volkanovski as Volkanovski was throwing a, a right kick at some point, right? So he had that moment. Um, but Brian Ortega sunk in the deepest guillotine choke that I've ever seen a man work through in a fight against the best grappler, right? Like Brian Ortega is as good as it gets at featherweight when it comes to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He locked in a full fucking guillotine, Nick. It was completely done. It was bit, would have been over for anybody on the planet except for Alexander Volkanovsky. The man has, he's just got the composure. He's got the heart. He's got the fight IQ. He's got the game planning. He's able to execute those oh, game he's plans. He's amazing. Yeah. I, yeah. The only reason I wouldn't, I didn't pick this first is because I've seen the other one before with my own eyes. I hear that. That's the only. That's I hear it. where you're coming from. But again, those first and, two and rounds the, being and so the competitive. And the factor. I just maybe maybe there's you know he sprinkled too much dust on my head. I think he's like magic. I just I don't know what he's been able to get out of. I don't know what a prepared Korean zombie working with that camp is like. Yeah, I'm I'm curious, and there is some mystery there. But I mean, I don't expect Korean zombie to suddenly be a different fighter. Korean zombie defensively is responsible when he's working off his counter. He's the best when he's countering. Right, that's really where he hurts guys and gets his knockouts. But it's when he gets aggressive where there's zero defense. He could literally run into a spinning back elbow. 
a flying knee, right? He, he can. Th- yeah, he's, I think he's he's done both. Of those yeah, things. yeah, that that, <laughs> that 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 elbow that he that he took against um, uh, Yair Rodriguez, Rodriguez, right? Like he walked right into that. He was winning that five. He round walked fight. into one against. Uh, he walked into one against Ortega too. I th- I yeah, yeah. Well, it was a counter shot. I can't remember what it was. Maybe you're right. Maybe it was a spinning technique. I think it was a spinning. Uh, I think it was a spinning back. And, elbow. Yeah, it, I think you might be right, and that's the thing. He just moves forward and he can't help on it. Alexander Volkanovski. He's the only guy who's been knocked down by two spinning back elbows. You're not fucking joking. <laughs> Volkanovski is a brilliant counter fighter. He is brilliant on the counter, right? He throws his distant kicks at you. He'll flick that jab. He'll he'll do stuff to just kind of annoy you at a distance, to keep you at a distance, to keep you from being able to enter. But then when you're willing to enter, he explodes with ha- ha- with hand combos, big counter shots. Really, really fucking effective in that way, man. And again, he adjusts his game plan depending on the opponent. Chad Mendes, he, knew he, needed, he needed to pressure, even if he had to put himself in danger because he needed to make Chad Mendes work and take damage because he could get him out of there. He pulled it off. Jose Aldo, he, he somehow beat him the way that nobody else has ever beat Jose Aldo. He just kept him at the end of his kicks, kept him guessing with his feints and fakes. That's the biggest part of his game probably, right, Balkanovsky? His fakes are fantastic. They're so consistent. They never slow down. They never stop. Right? He doesn't forget about them. It's just a part of his game, and that keeps his opponents guessing at all times. Is he going to flick that low kick? Is he going to throw that jab? Or is he going to counter me? Like you, you don't know. Is he going to go for the takedown? Once he gets that takedown, he's nasty with his ground and pound. He showed that in his first UF, few UFC fights. He showed that against Brian Ortega after getting out of two horribly deep submissions against him two or three times in, this, uh, in his last matchup. Right, So the guy's got everything offensively, except he's not much of a finisher. He's not a very big guy for this division, right? His reach is pretty good for his height, but he's not the biggest guy. He's incredibly strong. He's pretty fast, especially as a fight uh, wears on, particularly with his hands and low kick. Um, I I like Volkanovski here, man. I'm a big believer in him. I believe Alexander Volkanovski is the pound-for-pound best active mixed martial artist on the planet right now, given his wins over Max Holloway, over Jose Aldo, uh, the fact that he's got, you know, some of those wins over 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 those kind of lower-ranking but still quality Walter Reyes, Brian Ortega, right? He's about to presumably pick up a win over Chan Sung Jung. I'm a big, big fan of this guy. Uh, he might be my favorite fighter, man. I'm just such, such a huge fan of Balkanovsky, and I'm very excited to see him compete no matter who it's against. I expect that this should be pretty exciting given the uh, matchup, though. Yeah, um, pretty fucking awesome, and I, I agree with I agree with the pick. Um, whew. The big question is: Do I go? Do I go for it? Um, not yet. I think that I I, I actually think that. Um, no, fuck it. I will do it. I'm gonna go with Hazmat Shemaev. <laughs> <laughs> to defeat Gilbert Burns. I um like until proven otherwise, I just I think I mean here's the thing. Burns has has some power and he's a he's a good grappler. Shemaev is fighting this at welterweight, but we know that he's powerful enough to compete with top middleweights. We know that from what we've seen a bit in the cage, and we know it from the way that the people who've trained with him talk about him they're all they all get kind of spooked dealing with this guy so i do i think that even if burns lands some offense that it's not gonna it's not i don't think he's gonna have the pop to put this guy down um and i just think that 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 you know really relentless uh grappling that he'll be that he'll i think he'll I think he'll be able to muscle him and 
and grab his neck probably in the first three minutes of the fight. So you think he's just going to dispose of him and just get, get him out of there, right? Yeah, I mean, if... I, I think... I, we, I haven't seen any evidence that anyone can stop this guy's can stop this guy's takedowns. He's Khabib-like. And, like, until proven otherwise, like, I don't think, um, yeah, I don't think Burns is, um, I don't think he's big, I don't, yeah, I don't think he's big enough. I mean, here's the thing. Burns may have been killing himself for years, making lightweight. Maybe that's the reason that he was not nearly as durable as he seems to be at welterweight. On top of the fact that lightweights are just better overall fighters. Um, he's like a truly tough fighter at welterweight, man. He couldn't really get to that point at, at uh, 155. And here he's coming in against a guy who's never truly been tested in competition, right? Certainly not in the UFC. And his four wins, he's got he's taken one single strike. That's fucking unbelievable, right? It's to his credit, obviously, that he's dominating these largely lower-level fighters with a couple of mid-level guys in there uh, with Li Jing Liang and um, who's that southpaw? Gerald, no, Gerald Mirchart, right? Um, whereas Gilbert Burns, man, he's got a, he's an excellent fucking record, man. He's beaten really good guys in this division. The guy's proven, genuinely proven. Um, do I think Kamzat can submit Gilbert Burns? I don't think so. I think that's crazy talking. I think Gilbert Burns has really legitimate jujitsu. His brother has legitimate jujitsu. He's always on the mat. Um, Kamar Usman was concerned about taking Gilbert Burns down. When Gilbert Burns got taken down by Damian Maya, like he can be taken down. It's doable, but he just fucking uses Brazilian jujitsu technique to stand up. He didn't use like explosiveness per se. Like he used technique to stand yeah. up against Damian fucking Maya. I haven't seen anybody do that, Nick. If a guy gets taken down by Damian Maya, you're glued to him. He was able to get up twice, and on his second time, was so fast with that counter hook that he knocked Damian Maya out. Who the fuck has done that, Nick? Like that's impressive. And I, and I know he was knocked out uh, by uh, Marquardt years ago, but the way that he just shut him the fuck off. Granted, Damian Maya like 41, but he, it's not like he was losing left and right like that, right? He just smoked him. Um, comes out Shemaev, like he's unproven. I don't blame you for picking him. I don't blame you for picking him necessarily even this early. It sounds like he's something special in the gym. It sounds like he's fucking just dominating fighters that are otherwise known as like top 10 quality fighters at middleweight, at, at welterweight. We've heard stories from Sean Strickland, who isn't respectful toward fucking anybody. He doesn't say one crossword about Shemaev. He gives him credit for being a monster and a beast. He doesn't, he doesn't do his usual boastful shit that he suggests that he's better than guys. None of that, right, when it comes to Shemaev. Not a training partner of his, just some guy that he trained with once. Darren Till, the way that he's got basically just ragdolled by him in the gym, the way that we're here, like there's some footage of him sparring Alexander Gustafsson, who's a fucking light heavyweight, yes. now a heavyweight, and he's out striking Gustafsson. The guy's incredibly fast. Gilbert Burns is too. Guy has pretty good striking, although we don't know what levels he truly has to it, right? We don't know whether he can really take a punch because he's barely taken a punch, although earlier in his career he had. Um, you know, Gilbert Burns is skilled enough potentially to win this fight, but I, I guess I'm edging Chimaev as well. It just sounds like he's a fucking prodigy, and he seems to have the mindset to actually take advantage of those talents. And he's not likely to be like, uh, I don't know if you remember, that Duffy guy, Joe Duffy, I think who, like, yeah. in the gym was supposed to be a murderer but just could not put it together for his life in the octagon against anybody above, like, top 30. Um, uh, well, Chimaev's also not like uh, Islam Makachev in that... I mean, Makachev's amazing, but he clearly was not a bright lights guy, you know? And no. he's, he's adjusted a little bit, but he never quite looked comfortable with that aspect. 
Um, oh, not comfortable I, I with competing, know. not comfortable with being in public. Shemaev feels he's he's completely fearless at a, at a as a performer. Well, Shemaev is a you know he's got a charisma and Makachev That's, yeah. has zero charisma. Like whether he likes the bright lights or not, he just doesn't have a personality. He just speaks in monotone, right? He's just boring to listen to. Um, recently, he's become exciting to watch fight, which is to his credit. But Kamzat has both, right? He's dominant and he's interesting, man. Like he's the kind of guy that kind of like Ronda Rousey. Like you see, you start watching an interview with him, and you're just like. Like you can't look away. Like they, they just pull you in. Um, they, they kind of demand yeah. your attention. And yeah, he's got Khabib a charisma. Is like that too. Khabib has got uh, got it almost to the same extent because Khabib didn't become famous until he fucked up Connor and and had all the drama afterward and and all the both all the beef they had prior to that. Right, that elevator Khabib in a big way. Um, yeah, comes out I mean, didn't Khabib have that. Clown. Is, Shemayev's kind of mm-hmm. kind of a clown. Yeah, he's kind of a clown, but you know he's the kind of clown kind of like Connor kind of like Rousey who can demand his own attention doesn't need to rub off of somebody else he right, is correct. the guy in this division when it comes to fame when it comes to views on social media when it comes to followers right he is the guy in this division four fights in having only taken one punch that's the thing he was a national Swedish champion in wrestling right came over from Dagestan uh, in 2013 somewhere around age like 16 18 right and he just dominated the Swedish team, team scene, but he wasn't able to compete uh, in the Olympics, even though he would have been eligible because he wasn't a Swedish citizen at the time. So who the fuck knows how he would have done? How would have done in the Olympics? Maybe he would have been a bronze medalist, right? Um, but he is here in, in MMA, and he he picks up this one, especially dominantly, especially if he doesn't have a bad moment against Burns. He's gonna get a fucking title shot, man. And and I don't think Usman necessarily wants to fight him just yet. I think he wants to see more footage on the guy, and I don't blame him. But I'm intrigued, man. I'm intrigued by this guy. I do think Gilbert Burns, man, throwing a couple pennies on him could not hurt, man. These odds are kind of silly, um, and there might be an opportunity to be taken advantage of there. Also, check out Alexander Volkanovsky by decision. The guy doesn't tend to finish. Chan Sung Jung is very tough. Uh, even though I know Volkanovsky really wants to finish, maybe that's why he chose this matchup. But uh, he's a guy that always goes to the decision, and minus seven twenty is a big price to pay for Volkanovsky. Uh, you might get much closer odds on that prop. Uh, my next picnic is going to be, and to me, like the the majority of the rest of these matchups are kind of difficult, man. Um, I think I'm going to take Don't. from the matchup in the Ian Gary Darian Weeks uh, fight, right? Yeah. Like these are two, okay. in my opinion, bright prospects. Weeks is only five and zero, oh, five and one now as a pro after that debut against Barbara Arena. But man, he arguably won that fight. That was super close, and he took it on a few days' notice and clearly won the first round with takedowns, with better stand-up technique. Right, the guy's really talented. He's got a wrestling background. I think in high school, uh, really good boxing game. He's fought a, a bunch of boxing fights against real prospects and gone to split decision losses to them. Right, like not getting smoked by these prospects that are used to smoking guys. Um, went to split decision with Barbara Barbarena. Uh, really solid boxing, fast athletic kicks, good defensive and offensive takedowns. Gary is an Irish guy training out of Sanford, 6'3", so he's huge for Walter Wade, 10-0. Decent experience at only 24 years old, kind of on the British scene against some pretty, you know, decent journeyman, mostly a striker, well-rounded game. He's hittable, um, but he's durable. He's got, like, very dynamic offense. He can knock people out with his hands. He's got a lot of high kicks in his arsenal. He throws them frequently and often. Has a good calf kick, good fast jab, really good ground and pound if he's standing over a down opponent. Um, here's the thing, though. I think both guys are prospects. If you ask me who I think would edge it out, I'm picking Ian Gary. At plus 260 with the potential of three points, I think I'm going to take Darian Weeks. I, I think it's worth this. Uh, I think Ian Gary's got a lot of hype on him, and, and on him, and Darren Weeks doesn't. 
I, I, I don't want to overrate a guy that's coming off of a close loss, which, you know, is, is a mistake that, that we all make sometimes. But Darian Weeks has got the skills to win this fight. He's not as big as Gary. Uh, Gary stays composed and figures shit out through tough moments. But Gary always has tough moments early. Almost always loses the early going out of a fight until the guy that he's facing gets tired. I'm assuming Darian Weeks had a full training camp here. So I'm going to take a ride out on him for three points. Wow. That's, uh, that's gutsy. For you. Yeah, I mean, there's a chance I might uh, change my pick at the end of the week, but at least I've reserved this fight, and and you know I kind of get that yeah. option. I uh, I have, I'm picking Gary as well. Um, I'm sorry, I'm not picking Gary's. I'm picking Gary, not Weeks. Right. You're picking Weeks. <laughs> I I am um, uh, technically pi- I'm picking Gary. I'm just going to pick Weeks in our in our competition. Like I think Gary will probably edge him. Yeah, yeah. But I man, understand. given this value, I, I have to take Weeks. Um, you know, going off their their last fights like Rocky Pennington has looked uh, has looked pretty good. There was a period there where I didn't know what she had left in the tank and she's knocked out three uh, three wins in a row against credible competition of Renault Kanzad and uh, finishing uh, Macy Chaison, um, which was pretty awesome. And she's taken on Aspen Ladd, who seems to have a lot of excuses <laughs> and, lately, yeah. and like and, and just like there's problems with. Uh, you know, she got knocked down too quickly. It was an early stoppage against Duran to me. Um, and against Dumont, it was one of the worst, you know, least competitive fights ever. That was when she had gone uh, she had gone up in weight, right? I think so, uh, to 145 on short notice. 145. So now she's going to be... Um, this fight is at, uh, is at 135, right? Yes, I believe so. Um, I'm just double... Con- checking that yeah so she's back at yeah. 135 Lad has we trouble making 135 by the she way has, he has trouble point. making 135 and rockies look good and like lad can punch but like pennington has been in there with she's been in there with everybody you know she's got she went five rounds with nunez she won a decision with durandamine she won a decision with holly home like aspen lad's not going to show up there show up in there with any thunder that like is going to surprise rocky pennington who's who's on a roll who seems um who just seems like she's got her shit together she seems super focused and uh and she's she's married she's married to to tisha torres right also on the card uh, i'm not sure if they're married but they're certainly in oh, but you know what i mean they're, yeah, they're yeah. together i think they have children i think they have a child i could oh, be really? wrong i didn't know that mm-hmm. um i might maybe i could be i could be wrong about that i thought that um but anyway my point is Pennington just seems like she's in a good space. Um, and Ladd has not seemed like she's been in a good space for like a, for really for a couple of years. So I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go with Pennington to have the poise, um, and outstrike. And if there's any fight that doesn't get to the cage, it's, I could see it being this one, but I'm still going to take Pennington. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Aspen Ladd, I mean, presumably she's really prepared for this weight cut and she doesn't want to piss off the UFC. They're going to make her go back to up to 145, where she's the only contender left to fight Amanda Nunes. Probably not the smartest move, but yeah, I, I would imagine that um, she's going to do her damnedest to make weight this time. I, I, I also favor, um, I also favor Pennington here. I, I'm a believer in her. I think I picked her in her last three wins because uh, I really think she's a really skilled, crafty fighter. At she this is. Point. She has a journeyman's record, but uh, journeywoman's excuse me record, but she's a really fucking good fighter. And Aspen Ladd, man, when she's on her game, man, she gets that clinch, she gets those takedowns, and she wails away at girls, good girls, good fighters, right? She beat Yana Kunitskaya. She beat Sajara Eubanks. She beat Tonya Evinger, Lena Landsberg. No, right? like, none, of, are... none of them are as good as Rocky Pennington, though. 
I, I tend to agree with you, but they're not far below Rocky Pennington, right? But she did, you're right. She lost to Jermaine. She lost to Norma, who are, who are you know, either at or above Rocky Pennington. Probably, probably uh, at least Gerandomy, you got to say, is a little bit above, although I would like to see that matchup. I agree with you on the pick. Um, and, and the thing is that Pennington is taking this on short notice. That's where the concern comes in. Like, would she be able to just keep a, a high pace and, and be able to do well in that third round if she took it on short notice? That's the question. I feel like her and Tisha are in a good place right now, so um, I'm choosing her in this one as well. Um, my next pick is going to be, and here's where all of my confidence leads me. Nick, I'm going to go ahead and take Julio Ars to beat Danielle Santos. Uh, Daniel is pretty skilled, um, pretty dynamic. He's experienced, right, on, on the Brazilian scene. But Julio Arsman, his craft, um, like he's not a, the type of guy to get just shellacked and taken out of there early, although he is coming off of, I think, one of his first few knockout losses. Um, unless his chin is ruined, I expect that he's going to be more crafty here. He's going to expose Santos's kind of lax defense. Um, you know, his wins are over Andre Ewell, Julian Rosa, and Dave, Daniel Tamor, Dan Ige, right? Like, these are pretty good opponents that uh, he already has wins over in the UFC. Arsh does, but he has lost to Yudong Song, Kim Duwadu, and Shaman Rice. These are much more athletic, more explosive opponents. And Daniel Santos kind of is athletic and explosive, but he doesn't have the experience, I don't think. He's making his UFC debut here, right? What can we expect from this 10-1 guy? I guess a really crafty 17-5 Julio Arce, who's got a you know a handful of wins in the UFC. So I like... Julio Ars to, uh, to to get a, a workmanlike decision to slowly take it away as the fight goes and, and kind of expose Santos's defense and cardio. Um, same, same pick there. Next, this one in the odds is I don't quite get it. Um, like you're you've got um, Vince Pichel favored at minus one thirty over Mark Madsen plus one ten. You know Pichel got beat pretty definitively by another world class wrestler, Greg uh, Gregor Gillespie. And yet, Mark Madsen is uh, who's undefeated uh, is the underdog here. I wish he was at a plus one fifty so I could yeah. get something for it, but I don't quite understand that. I mean, Pichel's a good all around mixed martial artist um, and striker, but I like Madsen is he gets tired because um, he's so he's like a pit bull working for and it's so tenacious around the. Uh, um, go, you know, going for uh, the takedown to get the fight where he wants it, but I don't, I don't see him. Um, I think he get, I think he gets, I think he can get two rounds worth of takedowns, and I, it's not like it's not like Vince Pichel is like some sort of, you know, wild finisher, or this is a five round fight or something. So I don't understand why it would go any different than all of Mark Madsen's previous fights. Well, Mark Madsen gets really tired in the second half of the fight, and Vince Pichel gets really strong in the second half of the fight. I don't have much of a doubt that Mark Madsen is going to do well early. Vince Pichel's takedown defense isn't great, but he gets back up consistently. He did so, man. He gave uh, he gave Gillespie like a fucking time of his life, right? Until Gillespie's, uh, I don't until I don't, until he got there. I mean, defensively he was doing pretty well. I'm not saying that he was beating him yeah. up, but he was doing okay. pretty well defensively, and he was defending for a while. Mark Madsen doesn't have the conditioning to keep that up for three rounds. For which reason I'm picking Pichel. I mean, look, could it be that Mark mm. Madsen picks up the first two rounds? He does tend to, let's face it, win close decisions that he maybe doesn't always deserve. Let's look at MMA decisions quickly on his page because at least one of those decisions, I think Clay Guida, a lot of folks thought that Clay Guida uh, deserved that decision over him. That was a split decision win for him. And it, and it could have gone either way according to uh, according to MMA decisions. And then that win over Hubbard, 
Um, that was 29-28, but he looked really bad in the third round. Like, he was barely surviving that third round. So I like Pichal to kind of get stronger over the course of the fight, but we've seen Mark Madsen win these kind of fights where even though he's tired late, he keeps it together enough, wins enough of that second round to get a decision. So I could see it going either way and that way. Um, I think the odds are about probably where they should be, give or take. I, I like Pichal, man. He's a, he's a fucking... The guy's got so much experience. He's a super veteran. Um, he's not going to make stupid mistakes that uh, Madsen can realistically take over in the same way. Yeah. Pichel's also a pretty big guy. And again, he's going to be super strong in that second and third round, stronger than the first. Manson's not. Um, my next pick. I'm going to take... I'm going to go ahead and throw another volley, Nick. Oh, you know what? I'm going to take Anthony Hernandez to beat Josh Fremd. I'm not picking Josh, Josh Fremd. I don't I don't truly know enough about the guy. Hernandez has got a like overall pretty no, decent game. No friend of yours, Stan. No friend of he's mine, no indeed. no friend, friend of yours. You you damn right. Um, he, he's he's one of these uh, one of these uh, Pennsylvania guys. I'm not sure if he trains with the crew out there. Um, I don't see a school listed for him, but he's facing in his UFC debut here, and Anthony Hernandez who has been there against like some really talented guys. Um, he himself got knocked out by Gregory Rodriguez, Josh Frem did, and that was his only loss in the last few years, right? He's, he's put together a pretty good record, beating guys with eight and four, eight and two, seven and three record, six and two, right? Not bad, man. And that six and two win was over uh, when he was he himself was three and one. But I like uh, I like Anthony Hernandez here. He showed that he's got um, the 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 kind of wherewithal to fight through tough moments, like he did against Rodolfo Vieira. He showed that he can go for the kill if his opponent's tired or weakened, like he did against Rodolfo. Uh, uh, Vieira and and Josh Fern doesn't have that kind of experience, man. Uh, you go to close decisions with guys like Renato Valenti. How are you going to do against Hernandez in the UFC? I don't like. I don't love his odds. So I'm I'm going to go with uh, Anthony Hernandez to uh, basically use his ground game. As long as he gets those takedowns, he should he should uh, have his way. And in the clinch, he's pretty solid too. Yeah, I should have. This is a pick I should have made earlier. Um, but whatever. Usually, when uh, you say next- that, it ends up being a bad pick for me. So. Thanks for uh-huh. that, uh, Jinx. <laughs> cool. I'm happy to provide it. Uh, I'm going to go with, in the heavyweight fight, I like Tabura fine. I just, he's not, he, he leans into his durability a lot. It's not like he has amazing striking defense. And um, I, I don't know that he, I also don't know if he's quick and athletic enough to plant Rosenstrike. Um I mean, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe he is goofier fighters than Marcin Tambura have put Rosenstrike on his back. But I, I think, like, Rosenstrike has gone win, a loss, like, win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. He's been exchanging. He just lost to Curtis Blades uh, towards the end of last year after knocking out Augusto Sakai. I think um, this is going to be one of those fights where Jorginho Rosenstrike finds the chin. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell whether he'll find the chin. Martin Tabro's been extremely durable lately, but it just seems like more athletic, large opponents give him trouble. Um, the thing is that Jarzino Rosenstrike can be taken down, and you're right, by not necessarily the best takedown artist. And Martin Tabro's capable there, right? He can get those takedowns. Don't love the way he looked against Volkov last time. Um, I'll tell you one thing. If Martin Tabro was a plus-150 underdog, I would have picked him for the two points, but I guess I'll agree about Rosenstrike. Um I guess, I mean, it's not like the guy falls apart over the course of the fight, right? He's able to get up to his feet when he needs to. Yeah, and this is, and Tabur is a guy that is, again, like you were saying, like taller, like powerful strikers who in the last four years got knocked out by Derek Lewis, Shamil Abdurakhimov, and Augusto Sakai. You know, he was, 
either fight like since then he's been fighting like much like more inexperienced guys. And Rosenstrike's a very, very experienced fighter. No, very you're right. He's striker. He's beating guys like Maxim Grisham, who's a pretty good light heavyweight, but not elite. Ben Rothwell, like at the end of his heyday, Greg Hardy, who's obviously got no heart. Uh, Walt Harris, he beat right. Like you're right. The the opponents that he beats have much bigger holes than Rosenstrike does. Rosenstrike has the kind of holes that will lead him to losses against elite competition. Cyril Gaon, Francis Ngannou, Curtis Blades. Martin Tabor is not quite elite, but I am curious. Yeah, Ro- Rosenstrike has only lost to top five guys. Yeah, and, or, and or top let's... or even top four guys. You know. No, you're right, and he has wins over Arlovsky, over him, Dos Santos, Augusto Sakai. I would say Martin Tabor is slightly closer to those guys, even though maybe above some of them. Uh, at this point, than he is to the Curtis Blades and Cyril Gons of the world. But again, like yes. it's it's a competitive on paper matchup. I could see Tabor getting top position and holding top position for enough to win the fight. And uh, you know, it's possible that he's durable enough. But you're right; like he's got a hair trigger counter. Rosenstrike does a lot of power. Marching Tabor is going to give him stuff to counter. He can't help but pressure. Um, my next pick is going to be in the Mickey Gal Mike Mallet matchup. Mike Mallet is a team alpha male fighter. Looks just so fucking dangerous and explosive. Disposed of his last several opponents in like under a couple of minutes. But he doesn't really have the experience. He hasn't gone deep into a fight, so there's question marks there, right? We've seen Mickey Gal beating sub UFC level guys and losing to like entrenched UFC level fighters. Um Mickey Gal's a big f- underdog here though, right? Plus one sixty five? Yeah. I'm gonna fucking I, take he, that. I, I gave I gave that a look as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take that because Mike Mallet, as dangerous as he looks early, as much as his fundamentals look decent offensively, he's very hittable, man. Like, he's, he's getting tagged by some of these motherfuckers. He's getting hurt by some of these fools before he drops them and finishes them. And Mickey Gall, as much as, like, he's got a hard right hand, he's not awesome standing up. He does have the grind in him, right? He does have the conditioning. He has the UFC experience. He's been deep in a fight against high-level opposition. Mike Mallet has not. He's not even been close to there. So at these odds, I've got Mickey Gall for two points. Nice. You're really going. I, I you see you're really trying to pull away. You've got a little bit of a lead, so you're risking it. Yeah, I mean, the, look, yeah. There's there's definitely risk here. I just see these two opportunities as like takeable if you didn't take the opponent first, is what I figured. And they're available, and we've got three picks that are otherwise, in my opinion, hard to pick from. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with this underdog opportunity and uh, and roll the dice. Um. Oh, cool. Well. I actually I thought this was an underdog pick, but it's not going to be one. I man, this will this is the fight I'm most looking forward to. Um, fuck, I really love both <laughs> of these fighters. I think I'm going to go with Tiny Tornado Tisha Torres over Mackenzie Dern. I'm surprised you're making that pick. You're usually a, a Dern homer. Um, he, I I, lo- I love Dern, but there's two things. Um, I have a lot of faith in Tisha Torres' submission defense. Yep. Like, I think she's drilled and trained that stuff, and she's tough, and she's a good wrestler. Like, she's not just going to – she's not going to, like, run to Marcos and fall like fall into a sub. I just don't yeah, – Definitely. I don't think much so. I don't, I don't think Marcos. she's that – I don't think she's that easy. I don't think Tisha Torres is going to be easy to finish by submission. No. She's been in there with more elite fighters than Mackenzie Dern does. And I think that Tisha Torres is – like, Mackenzie Dern has a two-inch reach advantage – but her punches don't arrive straight. They don't arrive in a straight line. And T- I actually think that Tisha Torres is a better technical boxer. Definitely. Um, and I and I could see I could see her having Dern. I could see Mackenzie Dern spending a good amount of this fight on her back foot. Um. So I think it's going to be good and exciting. I just 
we haven't there's Dern is still raw in a lot of aspects of her game as much as I like watching her and as athletic as I think that she is and explosive she's I don't know in some ways I sometimes think that she except she's not I was gonna say she's like the female Brian Ortega but she doesn't she's not she's not she could become that but she's not that yet no she um, yeah you're right she has the talent for it and and the Brazilian jiu-jitsu for it but I don't know if she's as dynamic standing just yet but she's getting she is working on her stand-up man I feel like you should give her a little more credit for uh, oh it's, for at it's least her one two yeah but she's got almost nothing else it's better but I think that yeah. I think that Torres I think that Torres's boxing is is tighter I think that Torres boxing looks like boxing no, I definitely agree. It, Torres is the more technical fighter. She has the better footwork. One thing I disagree with is I don't yeah. think I don't think that Tisha Torres is going to be pressuring and Mackenzie Dern is going to be backing up. I think it's the other way around. Dern's going to be plodding forward, not with the best footwork, but Tisha Torres has good footwork on the on the defense. Right, this is a big UFC cage with a crowd, so presumably she'll have the space to circle the octagon without getting into clinch situations with Dern while still being able to land some of her pitter patter shots. Although again, she's been sitting down on her shots more lately. It seems she has. like seems like again her and. Uh, her and Pennington are just in a good place now where they both weren't at one point. It seems like when one is winning, so is the other. Um, I agree with you on Tisha Torres. I think her takedown defense is fantastic. I think it'll be aided by her speed advantage in this one and by the footwork that she has. Obviously, she's and a she better stand the fighter. Player. We're picking who's, you know, she got, she lost four in a row not that long ago. But they but look at who she lost to. And they she were all, off, some she, of those were very she competitive. Came off too. Of a, yeah, she came off of a win against Michelle Watterson, who's no joke, and lost, and lost decisions, four decisions. To, uh, so that's, you know, I think they were all three rounders. I can't remember, but that's 12 rounds consecutive in a, yeah. in a year, in 18 months against Jessica Andrade, Joanna Champion, Wei Li Zhang, and Marina Rodriguez. Yeah. Fuck. Those are that, all for a, absolutely for a, for a woman who should, yeah. for, And for a woman who should be an atom weight, she's five foot one, like, yeah. and, and lean. So... Yeah, I... Uh, and Rose Namajunas you know, was her loss before that. And prior to that, it was freaking Carla Esparza, right? Like, on the, on the, on the, on the, in, on the tough competition. Yeah, like, she's, she's only, only really lost to the top competition, but she does have a loss to Random Marcos looks, on tough. And, that looks bad and she, in retrospect. Well, yeah, it's a long time ago. She, yeah, uh... Sure. By the she, way, also has wins over Rose Namajunas and Paige Van Zandt from way early in her career. I didn't know that. And she looked... And she looked great against Angela Hill. Oh, yeah, that's the thing. Angela Hill, who doesn't lose... Like clearly to anyone, clearly lost. To That's the thing. Tisha Ange, yeah, Angie, who's who's eaten so many shitty split decisions. Yep. Like no debating that one, right? That one was a clear yeah. cut one for for Torres, who just outcrafted her, was faster than her, had better footwork than her, and I think she has all of those advantages here. Except, you know, Angela Hill's not a finisher anywhere really, and you know, especially at a high level. And man, is uh, Mackenzie Dern a finisher? Like if she takes her back. Is that out of the question that she'll submit her? Absolutely not. She could very well submit her if she takes her back. I just don't like her odds of taking it more than once. And, you know, maybe maybe Torres loses one round. Maybe the first round, but she's going to stay strong throughout that. I'm surprised, uh, surprised you're with me on that one. But Yeah, I'm, 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 actually, I'm actually surprised you're picking Tisha Torres in this one as well. A lot of, a lot of well, smarts called, are picking it's Mackenzie Dern. It's, it, it's called analysis, Stanislav. No, and, and I'm very excited not only that you know what it's called now, but that you're actually doing it. Um, I'm going to, for my next pick, Nick, I'm going to take Kay Hansen to beat Pera Rodriguez. This is a pick-up matchup. Um, Pera Rodriguez is actually pretty good, pretty dynamic standing. Um, I don't like her takedown defense, and I think that's where Kay Hansen can do well. As long as she's coming into here with the right mindset, she's coming off of, you know, arguably a loss that she shouldn't have had. Um, although, although, wait, she's actually coming off of, correct me if I'm wrong, two losses. The last one was legitimate. The one prior to that was not. Um, 
Kay Hansen, you know, was seen as a pretty serious prospect. She lost to Jasmine Jezavetas because she thought that she didn't want to cut weight anymore at 115. She was going to compete at 125, and then the UFC gave her like a big giant 125er with good wrestling defense. That did not go well for her. She did lose to Cora McKenna, which was not really a legitimate loss. Most people feel like she should have won that fight. Um, is she really proven in the UFC yet? Not really. She's only got the one win. She's one and two technically, right? But Pierre Rodriguez, who is granted seven and zero, she's undefeated. Uh, trains out of Brazil. Outside of their contender series bout, like you know, the majority of her opponents are one and zero, one and two, zero and zero, three and one, zero, zero and zero. She does have a win over Svetlana Gotsik who was 13-4 and four at the time and has not competed since. But, man, I'm not, I'm not going to chalk a whole lot up to that. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give Kay Hansen the edge here uh, because I think she's going to be smart enough to consistently get takedowns. If she does that, she should win this fight. Um, I was really split on this one, but fine. I'll go with Hansen, too. The, um, all right, so we don't have to pick the fight that we didn't want to pick. No, not, neither of us have one... to pick from the Alexi Olenek-Jara matchup. Who do you well, have in that one, though? It... Who the fuck knows? <laughs> it's like either Vander is gonna like land one shot and that'll be it for Eleniak because he can't. He's got no chin left anymore. Um, he was already undersized for the division. He seems to go down really easily. His, his equilibrium's not fucking great. He's like he gets he, he staggers away when they put his mouthpiece in. <laughs> and um, but God forbid he got he get, he ends up in the position to get his friggin choke like i just i don't know i don't know what's i guess if i had to bet on things i think that his chin's really gone and that vanera will it will be able to to knock him uh to get him off balance and like and then hit him six or seven times in succession you know in order to get like the stoppage like a ground and pound stoppage um I, there's just like a lot of evidence of that lately like more evidence of that than there is of him when's the last time millennia caught caught the choke I mean, been, no, no, I, I agree with you, but look at the level of competition that he's been losing to, right? He's been losing to Sergey Spivak, who's a top contender, Chris Dawkins, who... Uh, I don't know. I think you're the first person to say top contender and Sergey Spivak in the same Okay, sentence. maybe not top contender, but he's a contender. Is he not in the top 15? You're telling me Sergey Spivak is not in the top 15. In heavyweight, I'm in the top 15. Yeah, I'm saying, though, like, he's he's, a, he's still a top fucking fighter. Like, yeah, we, we he's not a... We he's can't not discount a, he's, that. He's, yeah, he's, I mean... God damn it! He's now. a he's he's a real fighter. Like Jared in, any, in any case, he's he he's like a fairly quality fighter. He'll dispose of guys, including fucking Taito Ivasi. Fucking finished, dude. Like he's he's a pretty goddamn good fighter. You got to give him a little more credit. In, in any case, right? Like like those are the kinds of guys that he's losing to. It it is really good proven fighters. And Spivak didn't knock him out. Spivak has a good jab. He's got good stand up. Chris Dawkins knocked him out. Chris Dawkins knocks a lot of guys out. Derek Lewis knocked him out um, after they were kind of fumbling on the ground. Derek Lewis who outweighs him by like 40 pounds, who is incredibly athletic, who's very experienced, who's got deadly ground and pound. Um, the thing with him is uh, Oleanik is that he gets tired quickly, man. He doesn't have the gas tank. He has the gas tank of a 44 year old. Uh, sounds about right. Um, he comes on really strong early, puts the pressure on, puts some numbers on there. Jared Vendera is durable, so maybe he will survive that and, and end up, you know, eking out a close decision. But I see this as kind of a, you know, a fight that could easily go away. I guess I'll go with Vendera too, but I, I could, I, I could see Olenek doing his thing. Vendera is not a successful UFC fighter. I think he's like one and four in the promotion. Granted, against overall decent competition, a decent to very good. Uh, so I, I guess I agree with you there. Um, could go either way. I have to be confident. This is, I believe, Olenek's retirement fight. So. You know what? For that reason, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Olenek. I'm gonna and hope I that he gets the win. I think I'm it's rooting for him. Fifteenth or sixth. Well, I mean, if it comes down to one of us making this pick, I may 
So you're taking you're taking Olenek. Um, I, I guess so because I'm rooting for him and it's his retirement fight, and I want to see him go off, uh, you know, on a high note on his own terms. I think that would be lovely if if that can. Fine, work out. I'll pick I'll pick him too because I don't want to lose on this goddamn fight if it comes down to it. Well, like, over you. Well, how would oh in, in case it becomes one of our picks, uh, maybe not. I don't I, I don't know. I don't know that it's going to work out that way. I do think like me taking a couple chances in this one is is going to is going to potentially hurt me. You've got Chimaev, who in many people's eyes is a lock. You've got Piotr Yan, who's in, who's uh, a lock in many people's eyes. You picked up Pennington, um, Mark Madsen. You and we, I, I do have with. a really good track record picking women's fights. That you do. That that is true. You you picked up Tisha Torres, which would have been my pick at that very moment had you not picked her. So you got some good ones. I ended up with Alexander Volkanovsky. I took uh, uh, Darian Weeks as an underdog for three fucking points. I you know it it, it couldn't hurt to fucking swing that bat um, and and try to land that homer. I took Julio Ars to beat Daniel Santos. I took Anthony Hernandez. Got Mickey Gall as an underdog of pl- plus one sixty five. So there would be two points if Mickey Gall picks up the win. I'm kind of somewhat confident in Gall. I think he can make it throw a couple of minutes and then take over uh, against an unproven prospect. And uh, and then finally I got Kenny Hansen. Yeah, this one could easily go the way. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you end up with a point or two lead over me at the end of this event. But again, this is what makes this season exciting, Nick, is that it is competitive as hell. Uh, do you have any opinions before we get out of here, Nick, on uh, two weeks ago, Blades versus Dawkins? Curtis Blades decided, I don't need no motherfucking takedown. I'm just going to box this guy and beat him. And he did. Yeah. He did, and I wasn't. I'm not surprised. I'm I'm zipping back to it right now because it feels like seven years ago. Yeah, it, uh, it does feel like it, it happened ages ago. Oh yeah, so that was the Ohio card, there. Fight Night Columbus. That's yeah, I right. mean, Blades looked great. Uh, we were right that Joanne Wood is done. We were correct. Yeah, the unfortunately. There. You know, but Barbara I will say Joanne Wood back. looked pretty good standing. It just like she seems to have either no heart or no submission defense. Yeah, uh, Barbarina and Matt Brown, they both were more durable than we thought and, yeah. uh, and yeah. went to war. And that was a, I mean, people love that fight. Um, Fantastic fight. Fr- I thought Matt Brown like, uh, deserved it and uh, was a little bit surprised by the decision. But, you know, it's a competitive war. It could have gone either way, I guess. It just sucks that he walked away with 100 grand instead of 200 grand after that kind of fucking fight. Yeah. Um, Kaikara France looked, uh, you know, I thought I thought the first round could have been a 10-8 against him. Um, and then he... He really turned it on in the third round and dominated. The second round could have gone either way. No, it's the um, other way. He he dominated the second round, and the third round was a close one. Or the closer oh, you're one. you're right, you're right, you're right. I'm sorry. But yeah, I, I, I feel like uh, most, most people feel like Kaikara France walked away. Like I think he doubled them on strikes in the third round. That's the competitive one. Like I don't think there's much of a doubt that Kaikara France earned that decision, at least not in my book. But you know, when you make no, the pick, I mean, and MMA, you and I MMA both know this. Had, yeah. uh, you know, MMA decisions had uh, a, uh, let me see if it's, I, th- I thought it was pretty much in favor of Kaikara France by good I margin. I mean, maybe two to one, but but yeah. um, it wasn't like it wasn't unanimous or anything. Um, no, that's fair. Um, and then uh, uh, no, it was pretty bad. Only four people for Askarov. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, fifteen for Kaikara France. Oh so yeah, like four, like yeah, that's about one. right. Like three to one. Yeah, I would, honestly, I I do think that was the least like controversial of the competitive decisions. I thought Neil Magny lost to Max Griffin and he took that decision. Um, I thought that Matt Brown, again, competitive fight. This one I'm less adamant about because it was just such a back and forth war. Matt Brown, man, was landing big shots, but his body language didn't look great when he was getting hit by Barbarina, even though I thought he did more work and landed more overall. Could be an argument to be made that Matt Brown won all three rounds. Um, Alishab yeah. uh, Kirziev, Really glad he's made his debut. Really glad he faced like you know somewhat of a test there. Uh, came through it, man. Looked really good. Uh, Mano Ferro just dominated Maya, man. Like that was not competitive, and Maya 
He's a pretty fucking good fighter. It's a great sign yeah, for Yeah, Faroe's really also, – also, let's give some credit to Sarah McMahon, who hadn't looked yeah. like that dominant. She completely outclassed uh, Carol Rosa, just yeah. controlled the fight, bullied her, um, kept it where she wanted it, and, and looked great. Like, Carol Rosa had looked terrific, of course, against Beth Cahaya, like, whatever. But Yeah, that's, um, that's a good point. You know, I, I, made, a, I made a lot of bad picks. Uh, you know, Matthias Nicolau got a very close decision win over David Vorak. I, I oh, no, that was not Nick. That was not close. He kind oh, of wait. No, that him. one wasn't close. He roughed close. him up, man. He hurt, you know, you're right. He hurt him early. Uh, but Saldana Souza. Um, that could have you know, easily gone, gone either way. That could have gone either way. Chris Gutierrez got a hot finish of that spinning back fist. Yep, you and I disagreed uh, on that one, but it was your pick. Um, and and, and, and Diakisi. Yeah, didn't I pick... Uh, didn't I pick a Vyashilov Borshev against Daikisi and then Daikisi wrestled his way to victory? Yeah, and, and, and I spoke about his the potential for him to offensively wrestle. I spoke about how he's a guy that can come in looking brilliant on some days and terrible on others. Hard to rely on the guy, but he does have the skill and the experience, man, to beat like a one-note fighter. Vyashilov just doesn't have like the, the MMA high-level experience yet to defend those takedowns and get up consistently, but good on Diakasi, man. And you're right, Sarah McMahon. Like, I had no doubt that she was going to dominate the first round. I just thought that she was going to lose her shit like she always does in the second round and then get taken over. But I, I think it takes a better grappler than as Carol Rosa to, uh, to actually submit Sarah McMahon, which is usually how she loses after dominating uh, early. Nick, um, really excited about this upcoming UFC 273 fight card. What do we have uh, the following week? Anything worth discussing on the way out? Uh, I think it's actually a, a pretty good main event. It is uh, Vincente Luque versus Bilal Muhammad. Very psyched. It's actually a rematch. Vincente Luque knocked him out prior, but Bilal Muhammad is a top fucking flight fighter at this point. Um, let me see who else we have here. Not a whole lot to write home about. A bunch of like UFC newcomers. We Jakar do have Munir. Close. Jakar Close fighting for the first time since uh, the horrible incident with Jeremy Stevens. That is that is right. I'm I'm glad he's back. He's been on the, he's been on the shelf for over. He hasn't fought in over two years. And you're he's saying you're two. saying it was probably all because of that shove, huh? Man, if that's the case, that's crazy. Well, you were pretty hard on Jeremy Stevens, and maybe I should have been harder on him at the time. Uh, yeah, he hasn't fought since that. He had that that really exciting fight where he got knocked out by Benil Dariush. That's, That's the right. last time he was in the cage. So 25 months out of that man's career because Jeremy Stevens, Not little joking, heathen, yeah. is a redneck piece of shit. I hope he's yeah, not he's... a listener because he'll <laughs> kick my ass. Um, he, he's, um, he's fighting Brandon Jenkins, who is uh, making his – actually, no, he already made his UFC debut, lost uh, – uh, in the third round to Zhu Rong. But we have a, a Leslie Zaleski Dos Santos versus Munir Laziz. Munir Laziz is that guy who came in, uh, I think, in Fight Island and beat um, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. Then ended up getting finished by Warley Alves in his UFC return. I actually didn't even remember that fight, but he's fighting another Brazilian Zaleski Dos Santos. We have Chris Barnett, the heavyweight, that wacky guy who throws crazy stuff, basing off with a guy named Martin Budai, who's got a 9-1 record. i got to look into this guy. Uh, Kian Zod versus Landsberg is a decent matchup. Marabuena Silva versus Yanan Wu. William Knight. How does William Knight fight like every, every month, I feel really like? really does every chance he gets against Devin Clark. These are both, like, I think that's a pretty good matchup for both guys. I think that's decent matchmaking. Jordan Levitt versus Trey Ogden. Um, Haley Alatang versus Kevin Kroom. Miguel Baeza versus Andre Fialo. To be honest, like that's a great fucking fight. Right, like Haley Alatang, Kroom. I think it's a little early for, for um, you know, after taking a lot of damage against Ponzinibbio. He had two fights last year against Ponzinibbio and uh, Chaos Williams where he took a bunch of damage, and that was yeah. just five months ago against Chaos Williams where he got finished. I 
I would like to see Miguel Baez take a little more time, but yeah, it's been it will have been um, five and a half months or so by the time that he competes, and he's a young guy, but he is facing uh, facing Andre Fial, who also took you know decent amount of damage in his UFC debut against Michelle Pereira. Uh, so I'm, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm very intrigued by that matchup. Look, there's there's probably three or four fights here that are really worth our attention. Uh, Pat Sabatini's back; he's a legitimate prospect. He's fighting TJ Laramie, uh, who is also a pretty good fighter, although he, he did lose to Derek Minner. Yeah, look, th- there's it's not a great card. Let's not kid ourselves. There's three or four fights on here that are worth getting somewhat excited about the man. Let's-